Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, hey, Connect. It's good to see you all. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I'm really glad that you decided to join us today as we wrap up our series, 21 Days of Prayer. Now, just because this is the last message in the series, please do not be fooled that 21 Days of Prayer is over. We've got six more days to go strong, so keep praying. It wraps up on Saturday, but even still, the whole reason we've been in this season as a church is because we want prayer to be our default action, our default reaction as we live our days. So come next Sunday when 21 days of prayer is officially over, please don't stop praying. May we just carry that momentum, carry the wind of the last 21 days on into the season that's before us. Because prayer is our standing invitation to connect with God. That's what prayer is for us. And forming a habit of prayer, you know, the popular notion is that it takes uh, 21 days to form a new habit. But as I shared back in week one, that isn't exactly true. It could take 18 days. It could take up to 254 days. So let's just keep the momentum rolling and let's be a people who pray first. May that be our posture. Have you ever made this prayer mistake? Uh, Someone shares something on their heart, something they're going through, and then you said it. I'll pray for you. It could have been at group, could have been with a friend over coffee, could have been on the phone with your sister. Someone pours out what's going on in their life to you and you empathetically listen to them. And you said, I will pray for you, but you forgot to. Anyone courageous enough to admit, yeah, I've been there and I forgot to pray for that? Couple of us. The rest of us are liars. All right. Got it. Yeah. Got it. We'll start another series on lying coming up. Please don't misunderstand me. Uh, Offering to pray for someone's not the mistake. The mistake is offering to pray for someone and forgetting to do so. Here the person is sharing what's really important to them with us. And when we forget to pray for them, we're forgetting what's really important to them. We're we're forgetting that when we pray for them, we actually have the opportunity to care for them in the greatest way possible. We get to bring them before God, our all-powerful, always good, miracle-working God. That's what we do when we pray. So when we forget to pray for someone, we're forgetting to do that. Now, it'd be easy to ask, you know, like what kind of group members, what kind of friends, family members are we? Well, we're busy, we're distracted, we're hurting people ourselves. And that's often why we forget. I say we because that's why I forget. Got other stuff going on. My attention in the moment was so pure. I was going to pray for them. That's what I thought I was going to do. But if I didn't pray for them in the moment and I didn't at least write it down, I don't think I prayed for them. Probably not. 
This is why what I'm trying to say is, I'm trying to, in conversations, when someone shares, I try, I'm trying to say, I will pray for you less. And I'm instead trying to say, can I pray for you now? More. And I've yet to find a scenario where it's not beneficial to pause what I'm doing and to pray with the person in front of me and, and go before God together. I've yet to find a scenario where that's just not a good idea. Which is why I've kind of come to be known to pause mid-meeting. I've even paused mid-message, paused mid-conversation, and just right then and there, let's just pray for the very thing that we're talking about. And I got to tell you, it is a special thing to go with someone before God on their behalf. Because we believe God is good. And God wants to work in their life. And often, He wants to use me and you to do that, to minister to them. But how? How do we pray for others? That's what we're going to talk about today because so far what we've talked about in this series is how to pray by ourselves, how to pray with others, but now we got to talk about how to pray for others. Because prayer is personal, prayer is communal, and prayer is missional, and we can't forget that. If you got a Bible with you, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to just look at a couple verses today, verses 2 through 6. Now, if you need a Bible, we have free Bibles in the back. You can also follow along and take notes in our church app. What we're about to read is a snippet towards the end of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He finds himself, he found himself in a Roman prison at the time, and he's writing to this church, encouraging them. And he's really correcting some false doctrines that had crept up, things like worshiping angels or uh, taking like a special observance of of some holidays, etc. He, he's addressing some false things have, that have come to the surface, and he's reminding them that faith in Jesus is sufficient because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for salvation. His point really is Jesus plus nothing equals everything that we need for salvation. It's in light of this gospel, this good news of Jesus, that Paul writes what we're about to read, that we're supposed to devote ourselves to prayer. You see, prayer is our response to the gospel. It's one of the ways that we live out our faith. So as we look at scripture together, would you do this? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together and ask that God would teach us about prayer. Lord, we come before you eager to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Would you please speak? Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through this message? And would you make us a people who pray for others and in so doing, love them well? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, picking up in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's a short portion of Scripture, and then I'll break it down for us as we go. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He begins, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This is our response to the gospel. Because of Jesus and the relationship that we have with him, when we pray, we should be watchful. We should be alert to false teachings. Earlier in his letter, Paul had written this. This is from Colossians 2, 8. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. See, a, a popular false doctrine back then was the worship of angels. Okay, some popular false doctrines around prayer today could be that we pray to the universe or we're sending positive vibes or positive energy. As people who are devoted to prayer, we need to be watchful for these false doctrines and thankful, as Paul said. This thankfulness language really builds upon what he had said uh, earlier. Now, in, in this is in you know, chapter 3 of Colossians, he wrote, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Now, if you've been a part of Connect Church for any length of time, if you call Connect Church home, you know what Paul's talking about here. Because the, when, you know, the, the kingdom of God is big. It's real big. It is way bigger than Connect Church. And we knew that even before Connect Church was a thing. So in this area, if you looked at the church landscape, the kingdom landscape, you could find world-class preaching. You could find nationally recognized worship teams. And we celebrate that. The kingdom needs it. And when we asked God, why are you having us start Connect Church in South Denver? How can we contribute to this kingdom landscape? He was abundantly clear. Community. And you see, the reason we understand what Paul's talking about is because when I ask people, why'd you choose Connect Church? When I, I love to meet new people. I love to hear why, why they decided to come back. And hands down, the, the response, like 99% of the time is community. The welcoming, the loving community. It's you all living like Jesus and extending his love to others. And I love that as much as you guys do, because that's a way that we as a church can contribute to all the good things that God is doing in our region, community. Now, we say it all the time, and we're just not going to stop. So at this point, I just say, you should probably get used to it. We believe that following Jesus is better together. And the way that expresses itself most often is we gather throughout the week in community groups. These are small groups of, you know, eight to 16 or so adults. Some groups, kids come and they're a part. Uh, these groups gather, one, just to make friends, and two, because there's a group of people that want to grow in their faith together. Now, if you're not in a community group, I want to encourage you, join a community group and do it like this week, okay? This coming Sunday, we're going to be kicking off a new series, and you're going to want to be in a group for that series, okay? If you're trying to find a group, you can find a group on the app, or honestly, just come talk to myself or my wife after service. We're starting a new group this fall, and we'd love for you to be a part. It's me on Wednesday evening, so if that's of interest to you, just catch me after service. We'd love to have you. All of our groups would love to have you, because not everyone is experiencing yet the joy of following Jesus in community. But if you are, be thankful for it. Be thankful in your prayer, like thank God for those around you and how they sharpen you, they encourage you, they support you. As followers of Jesus, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. We need to be, have an eye for truth. And we also need to have a heart of gratitude for the community, the church that God's invited us to be a part of. And the reason these things are important, truth and community, is because they're the foundation upon which we get to take a step from, a step of faith from, in what Paul said next. You see, 
Back in verses 3 and 4, he said this, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which, which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Our prayer has to be grounded in our connection with God, in our connection with one another, and out of that, those relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, we should have a burning passion, a burning desire in us that others need to connect with God too. They need to experience what we're getting to experience. And we should be praying about these things. So while Jesus is for us, like he, he, he died so that we could have a relationship with him and with the Father, he's not for only us. So we got to pray for opportunities to share Jesus with others. I shared next Sunday, we're kicking off this new series, and I am pumped about this series. I'm about as excited about this coming series as I have been about anything else we've done at Connect, because the series is called Who is Jesus? And we're going to look at an eyewitness account. One of Jesus' closest friends and followers, his name was John. He, he observed, he was a part of Jesus' ministry. He saw Jesus die on the cross. He was there when Jesus rose from the grave, and it totally changed John's life. And we're going to go through this series really for the whole fall. And I'm expecting, I'm expecting to see what God does in each of us as we grow in our relationship with him through this series. But here's the deal. If, if you know someone who is curious about Jesus, someone who has questions about Jesus, heck, someone who is human, invite them to this series. Okay, not because of the series, but because of the text that we're going to be looking at. We're looking at the Gospel of John, and we are going to discover Jesus for who he is. We're going to, we're going to each grow in our faith, and I can't wait to see those who come to faith, saving faith in Jesus because of how he, they're, he's drawn, they're drawn to him. Like, like They're compelled to follow him as we read his word together. We have, uh, we have these invite cards in the back, okay? Who is Jesus? Very simple. It's what it's about. It has our website on the back, the time, everything. If you're inviting someone and you need to like give them something so that they can remember, this is for you, all right? Grab a handful, pass them out, go get after it, but don't just get after it. Pray for it. Pray for opportunities to share Jesus with others. And as Paul asked for prayer for himself, I'm going to ask that you pray for me, that you pray for the other teachers who are going to teach throughout this series, that the Holy Spirit would work in the preparation time, that he would work in this time on Sundays, that the Holy Spirit would speak through us, would give us clarity and passion that compels people to want to know Jesus more, to follow him too. And I would also say, Pray for opportunities every single week. Pray for opportunities for you to invite people to experience Jesus. Because sharing Jesus isn't just something for like the paid professionals. Sharing Jesus is what we're all called to as followers of him. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our peace. And why wouldn't you share that with someone you love? So yeah, invite people to join us on Sundays. Watch the message after the fact. That's good. But here's the deal. That's not the only way. God moves in the conversation at the coffee shop and on the sidewalk and when you're walking along the trail. So look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to share the hope that you have throughout the week. So this is what Paul had to say next. 
talking about living this way, living this missional way, this we're compelled to share Jesus with others kind of way. He, he taught the following in verse 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, be wise. Biblical wisdom is knowledge applied. Now, considering the context of what Paul wrote here, it's our knowledge of Jesus that should express itself as love for Jesus and for others in the way we interact with people. It's actually the way we love them should demonstrate God's love for them to them. Or, you know, if I were to say it a little simpler, I would, I would say we should, we should love in such a way that people feel God's love. Like imagine people feeling God's love through you. After all, what we're praying for is opportunities for this to take place. But how do, we make a, how do we make the most of these opportunities? Like, when God answers that prayer, then what? Well, verse 6 tells us, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer everyone. We have all kinds of different conversations throughout the day. We have casual conversations. Some are meaningful. Other conversations might even be spiritual in nature. And every once in a while, we get to have a transformational conversation where there's like a light bulb moment for someone. And those are fun conversations to be a part of. But whatever the nature of the conversation, whether it's casual or spiritual or whatever it is, we should be people who enhance the good in the conversations we're a part of. We should preserve what's good. Because there's a lot that's not good. But there are some things that are good in our conversations. The encouragement, the positive things. We should enhance that because as salt in the ancient Near East was used to preserve and to enhance the flavor of food, that's what we should be in the relationships and in the conversations that we have with those around us. Now, at this point, we probably got to address the elephant in the room. Isn't it taboo to talk about Jesus? And there are two people who want us to believe this lie. The first is our enemy, Satan who will stop at nothing to, to keep people from experiencing life with Jesus. He'll stop at nothing. And the second person is the person who feels bad because of how they were talked to about Jesus. Now, I have never met somebody who has gotten to know Jesus and doesn't like Jesus. I, they're out there, I know, I just haven't personally met them yet. But I have met many people who don't like Jesus because they don't feel liked by his people. And that's got to stop. Jesus was known by his love, and we should be known by our love, too. It, you know, if you want the conversation to feel awkward, just make the other person feel awkward. But if you want the person to experience Jesus' love, then we should demonstrate his love. And I can't think of a better way to demonstrate his love than by praying for someone. Because when we pray for them, it reveals a couple of things. It reveals that we believe in Jesus. It reveals what we believe, how we believe Jesus feels about them. And it shows that, that we want them to know Jesus. That's what this is all showing when you pray for someone. And, and if you think people don't want to be prayed for, I want to encourage you to think again. And here's why. A Barna Group, research group, did a study, and they just recently published the, the findings of this study on prayer. 
in our country. And here's what they found. They found three out of five U.S. adults pray at least once a week. Three out of five. That's crazy. If you know anything about statistics, it's hard to get like the majority of our population to do anything, let alone a spiritual thing. And here we have three out of five adults praying at least weekly. They also found that teenagers are open to Jesus, Scripture, and prayer. Prayer is actually an open door for us to walk through to an open generation. Another thing they found is that uh, 17% of Christians started praying during the pandemic. Now, what were these Christians doing before the pandemic? I don't know. But I guess you could say progress has been made. Prayer, prayer is one of the greatest needs that people have from the church. And, and prayer, people's need for prayer in, the, in a time of crisis, that's not a new thing. That's an age-old thing. But what if we tried something new? What if when we encountered somebody in crisis, we offered to pray for them, like right then and right there? It's a crazy idea, I know, but stick with me, okay? Maybe they're not a person of prayer. Maybe they are. We don't know where they're coming from. Uh, they, they may know who they're praying to. They may think they're praying to the universe. But when we pray, we know who we're praying to. We're praying to a God who is all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, who is always good. We, when we pray, we're bringing someone before God, God Almighty, who can show up in a huge way, a supernatural way in their life, in their situation. That's who we're praying to. And if we believe that, then church, we got to live like it, not just in intention, but in action. May we never again say, I will pray for you and forget to do so. When we can say, can I pray for you now? You know, when I did this for the first time with someone who doesn't know Jesus, uh, it was incredibly challenging for me, honestly. I, this is kind of how it went down. Um, the, the morning, that morning I had prayed a very familiar prayer for me. God, would you give me someone to share your love with today? That afternoon, I was working out at the gym it's when we were living in Maine at the time. And I'm working out at the gym and this guy comes up to me. and He's like, hey man, how's it going? And I'm thinking, never seen him before. Like, don't know who you are. And he, he got it like after he, he finished his sentence and was like, oh, this is awkward. Well, I just redeemed the situation. I was like, hey man, I don't think I've met you before, but my name is Chris. What's your name? It's like, my name's Keegan. Nice to meet you, Keegan. And we start talking between sets. We get to know one another. I, I discover that he just moved back from overseas. He was playing pro basketball over there. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Um, we exchanged numbers in the workout. We're like, we should work out together sometime. So later that week, we work out together. And not long into the workout, Keegan shares with me that he's really trying to figure out like who he is apart from basketball. His whole life, he's been a star basketball player. Then he was a pro basketball player. And now he's trying to figure out who he is apart from basketball. And he's just trying to figure out very practically like what's next in life. And I'm just listening, listening. And, you know, I'm trying to be a good friend, good new friend. So I just like, hey, man, how are you processing all that? And he paused and then he looked back at me and he said, I don't know, how do you process things like this? 